Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast where we embrace and explore what it means to live out the feminine genius in our everyday lives as Catholic women. My name is Chloe Linger, and today I'm having a conversation with not one, but two amazing women about a brand new resource they've created to help you learn more about your fertility as a woman. In this episode, I'm sitting down with Emily Frazee and Mary Bruno, both women who've been guests on the podcast before. They're back because they've recently founded FamBase, which is an online resource and database to help women tackle tough topics surrounding fertility, reproduction, and women's health. It's an amazing place where science and real life are intersecting, and I cannot wait to tell you more about it. I truly believe that learning about how our bodies work as women is the most effective and impactful self-care habit that we can have as women today, and fertility awareness is so much more than family planning. Regardless of the season of life you're in as a woman, if you're ready to discover the truth about your body and you want to know more about fertility awareness options that are not your grandma's rhythm method, sister, this letter's for you. Make sure you're following the podcast on Instagram at letters to women underscore podcast for Takeover Tuesdays. Every Tuesday since the beginning of February, the women who contributed letters to the Letters to Women book have been taking over the Instagram account and giving you a look at their daily life as Catholic women and their experience with the feminine genius. If you've missed any of them, don't worry. They're all saved as highlights for you to browse. Tomorrow, May 4th, my dear friend Mary Kadivi is taking over stories. She wrote a letter to you about reconsidering your relationship with your body, and I cannot wait to follow along with her, and you should join me. I've known Mary since high school, and she is absolutely incredible. This episode of Letters to Women is sponsored by House of Joppa. If you're looking for the perfect Mother's Day gift for your mom, your sister, or yourself, you need to check out House of Joppa. Their wall art, home decor, statues, and door hangers are so tastefully designed to give Catholic symbols a modern, minimalist feel that can be easily incorporated into your home's design style. You're also going to want to go and order a few saint candles for any mom in your life. My favorite scent is Night Prayer. Letters to Women listeners get 15% off their order at checkout with the code LETTERS15. That's one word, all caps, LETTERS15. Check out the link to House of Joppa in the show notes or visit their website, houseofjoppa.com. Now, let's jump into the this conversation with Emily and Mary. Today, I'm welcoming back to the podcast two incredible women, Mary Bruno and Emily Frazee. You'll recognize Mary from our episode, A Letter to the Woman Wondering How to Bear Fruit if She's Infertile, from last spring. She's a Catholic speaker, a Creighton practitioner, and she speaks into her experience with infertility and adoption. And Emily joined me last summer for A Letter to the Woman Staying at Home with Kids, and she's Catholic, Cajun, and a wife and stay-at-home mom. Both Emily and Mary also wrote letters to you, listener, in the new Letters to Women book, so you're going to want to check that out after listening to our episode together. Ladies, welcome back to Letters to Women. It's so good to host you both again and together. So today we're going to be chatting about something brand new that you both have created together, FamBase, which is a fertility awareness database, and I'm really excited to learn about how that got started, what sets it apart from other fertility awareness resources that are out there right now. But first, can you both tell me a little bit about your stories as Catholic women for the Listener who's maybe meeting you for the first time in our episode together today. Yeah, so I'm Emily, and uh, I'm a cradle Catholic, as you mentioned, born and raised in um, South Louisiana, and I grew up very faithful. I even had there was a the parish that we went to. Uh, they had the missionaries of charity had a mission, and so I learned my catechism from them, and it was awesome. I still remember some of the prayers and songs that they taught us and I'm actually teaching my kids those now. So it's kind of fun. But I, when I got to college, I slipped away for like the laziest reason in the world. I was an architecture major. It was a very demanding major. So I literally told God, um, I don't have the time to be a good student 
and go to church. And I literally said, I was like, my vocation right now is to be a good student. So you're just gonna have to be happy with that. God, my work is going to be my prayer. And I stopped, I stopped going for about a year and a half. Yes. Yeah, spoiler alert turned out to be the worst year of my life. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I better go back. And uh, I, uh, it was actually, it turned out to be really good because my faith became my own after that. I had a, a Baptist friend of mine who started peppering me with a lot of questions that I couldn't remember the answers to. So I was having to look them up. And um, I started reading a lot of Ayn Rand and like her selfishness as a virtue really like threw me for a loop. And then I started reading a lot of uh, Bishop Bolton Sheen. So I joked that it took a an atheist, a Baptist and a Bishop to bring me back. So, but I mean, it was good because now I always know that when things feel like they're missing in my life or they're overwhelming, or if I'm having doubts or if I'm looking for the truth, like I know exactly where to go because I've been on that road before. And, uh, that was exactly the road that brought me back. And so now that I'm marrying my, my husband, Nick and I, well, my husband, Nick is also a cradle Catholic graduate of Franciscan university. And we have two little toddlers who uh, we are carrying on the faith with as well as a family. Uh, hey guys, I am Mary. I'm a cradle Catholic as well. And I, funny story, I grew up not too far east of Baton Rouge where Emily grew up. So we were like not far from each other growing up before we met. Um, but like I said, I'm a cradle Catholic as well. My parents really gave me a rich foundation in the Catholic Church, uh, when it, whether it comes to like church teaching and practice, um, but it wasn't until I, I entered into my my first really two serious relationships that I got to know the person of of Jesus and really established that personal relationship with Him. And then after the subsequent breakups of those serious relationships and the suffering that that went along with that. I really grew closer to him in those moments and really um, just really appreciated the sacraments, you know, and then years later, I met my husband, Chris, and we got married. Then we learned we were infertile and entered into a very different kind of suffering. But again, that new kind of suffering, that even new depth of suffering really drew me closer into the Catholic Church again, because the Catholic Church has this like really rich view of suffering and and gave me the opportunity to really step into that and find great joy in that. So again, so just a funny recurring story of suffering in my life that has brought me closer to Jesus and my Catholic faith. But it's it's been really beautiful. I love that. I've loved getting to know both of you through our episodes together, through Catholic social media, through the book project that we've been working on. And so I just absolutely love that I get the chance to sit down with both of you because you've both recently founded FAMBASE. It's spelled F-A-B-M BASE. And it's a fertility awareness database where science and real life are intersecting. I would love to know more about how you two connected and the origin story of FAMBASE. Yeah, so we were, uh, Mary and I were introduced through a, a mutual friend, um, Jennifer Lorette, Jen Lorette. Jen and Mary actually know each other. Jen lives in New Orleans as well. Um, but I met Jen online through the Catholics online community. And she and I started collaborating on some projects. Um, we actually collaborated for NFP week in 2019. She and her husband did an NFP interview for a series that I did that week. And we kind of continued talking about NFP stuff, of course. And, uh, just really started diving into a lot of the things that bothered us about kind of misconceptions about NFP um, that 
we had been taught that we were like, well, this is all wrong. Um, and so we started collaborating on another bigger NFP project where we really wanted to articulate church teaching on NFP. Because uh, a lot of people hear that, you know, NFP, it's really just Catholic contraception. And we were like, well, it's not, but why? Let's let's dig into this, shall we? And uh, so we were focusing kind of on our very different fertility perspectives. So I have two surprise babies. She has, she kind of has, suffers from like subfertility and secondary infertility. So she's had uh, some difficult pregnancies. We were kind of using both our personal stories bolstered by church teaching, you know, we were digging deep into like canon law and the catechism and humani vitae. And over the course of all these conversations on like Marco Polo, she was like, hey, you need to meet my friend Mary. Because she was like, Mary is infertile and her perspective is going to add something really invaluable to the conversations that we're having. So we got on a group Marco Polo and that's how our uh, Uncharted Territory series that uh, I published on Total Wine just this past year for NFP Week was written. So we basically took on like church teaching and looked at six different topics from our three different fertility perspectives. And uh, yeah. Yeah, specifically, Emily and I really grew out of a, a common passion for clarifying all these less understood aspects of NFP. We had both experienced like this deep pain related to misinformation. But at the same time, like once we understood God's actual design for NFP, fertility awareness, we've, we saw the great beauty in it and also agreed that, you know, how desperately needed a better understanding of this is in our church and our culture. So it was just, we were, we were both so on fire for that same mission. And we were just like, we need to do something. You know, we were already working on this individually with Total Wine and taking back the terms, but we were like, you know, what a great team if we were to come together and kind of combine our resources. And so we prayed and discerned about, well, obviously like this would require money to build something like a database like this. So we were trying to figure out how to monetize it, also how to spread this information easily and Again, one of the biggest problems is that so many people don't understand or have access to the information. So we figured out that it really needed to be free because, again, everyone has a, not only a right to this, but really deserves and, and needs this, even if they're not even sure they need it yet. So we decided it needed to be free. And that's why we decided to form a nonprofit corporation and just work extra hard for <laughs> the money. But it's worth it because, again... Is there's so much misinformation about it and the way God designed fertility awareness. Yes, it's hard, but it, there's just so much beauty to be and so much to benefit from it. And we just want to bring that into each home. I love that you're speaking into the fact that there's a lot of information out there that not all women know where to find. There's a lot of different fertility awareness methods when it comes to learning about your own fertility that are also kind of hard to track down information about, especially when it comes to that initial discernment or for women who are just starting to kind of dip their toe into the water of learning about their fertility. What exactly will FAMBASE offer women that sets this database apart from maybe other fertility awareness resources that are out there right now? Before I prepared for marriage and when my older sister was preparing for marriage, we all knew of just one method that existed, had no idea there were options. And that one method would have never worked for me, you know? So, and here God has given us these like five or six very different, all well-researched and effective methods to choose from. Like they're so unique so that we can all find something that fits 
best for us, each individual woman or couple, and at different points in our lives as well, which is so funny because, you know, our culture emphasizes so much that ability to choose, right? That choice, yet they, they only offer us that one family planning option of birth control. Yet so many women don't know the whole story of birth control, like what it does biologically, what it doesn't do. So what Emily and I hope to really do is empower women with all of their options and all of the information about their options so that they can actually make a fully informed choice. So we're going to talk about birth control. Uh, We're going to talk about artificial reproductive technologies. And then also, you know, birth controls, when it comes to that, there's only one benefit versus fertility awareness, where there are three benefits. Uh, You know, women understand how to achieve pregnancy, avoid pregnancy, but also there's that third aspect of health that a lot of people don't fully understand what's available through fertility awareness when it comes to health and really ovulation in general. So we want to focus a lot on that third benefit as well. Emily once said to me, she pointed out that like fertility awareness first is understanding our health, our reproductive system. And when we understand how that works, it also informs us of when we're fertile or infertile. So there's just so many benefits to it that we want to explain so that all women, again, understand all their options. We also want to bring men into the conversation because they're so often left out. We're going to have a teen section. So again, we're going to include everybody. Um, And between Emily and I, that shouldn't be a problem because we have, again, these (laughs) these different experiences, you know. So both of you have totally different experiences with fertility. I'd love to know more about how each of your experiences with fertility impacted the way that you've organized FamBase and then what you're striving to provide for women who will interact with that database. Yeah. So the fact that we fall on basically opposite ends of the fertility spectrum is something that we recognize from the get-go as basically one of our greatest assets because we help each other learn how to reach out and connect with other women all across the spectrum. Like I have two children that I didn't plan and I learned three different fertility awareness methods in three years and probably like sunk $1,500 doing so. And, you know, it was extremely frustrating and I felt very much like a failure. You know, that is an experience for a lot of women, but I'm also missing something That's very much a part of the conversation that Mary adds. Yeah. So just to give you a little background about myself, well, y'all know I'm infertile, but, and we've been infertile for about eight years now since we've gotten married. It took me about 12 years really to get diagnosed with endometriosis because I was only offered birth control. Nobody tried to figure out what was wrong with me. After starting this conversation, I realized that this, this is not an isolated experience, which is what drove me to start. One of the many things that drove me to start taking back the terms, had I understood about these method options sooner and that fertility awareness is very much suited for women who are not married and sexually active. If I had known that, I could have gotten help much sooner. Um, And then just to fast forward a little bit, I became infertile. And then I realized how isolating of an experience that was in the church, you know, but then I grew to understand the gift of spiritual motherhood. And as I've talked about this on my own social media page, that's when I connected with Emily. Man, Emily was being so vulnerable and authentic about her experience, which was so different than mine, specifically about how hard NFP was. And NFP for me was really healing because 
I really desperately needed the medical and surgical benefits that it gave me access to. So to hear her saying how hard NFP was, this was, this was like, oh, like, wait, what? <laughs> you know. But the more I listened, I was like, wow, this is a completely different perspective than I need to understand. She talked about how hard it was to avoid sex during a marriage, which Chris and I never had to do because we've been infertile. And then also um, to choose the right method, sometimes switch methods to chart postpartum. It's all these things I had never experienced. I was getting a look into her world. And even though they're very different experiences, we're both suffering, you know, and so connecting with her and understanding that perspective, it, it just, it was, it was really beautiful to see that side of it. And sharing our experiences with each other became illuminating as we recognized how valuable coming together with these perspectives are, not only so that we can meet, you know, a majority of women and couples where they are, but to give people who can't necessarily relate just kind of a peek inside of the window of that. So I think it's a little bit of both. Emily and I have different experiences, but we have so much respect for each other that it's allowed us to grow. So if we're to sit kind of in our own, all in our own sufferings, we're not going to learn. So it, it also, what we hope to do is provide this ability for women to say, okay, maybe I, I haven't experienced what you have, but I can still support you. And that brings us closer together as women and as a church. And that's what we need right now, especially so like really appreciating those differences, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things that Mary and I have learned so much. One of the most valuable lessons is the importance of listening. You know, I've learned so much from Mary about the cross of infertility. And, you know, she had a hard time understanding how NFP was hard. I had a hard time understanding how anybody could think NFP wasn't hard, you know? <laughs> but you know, like, I... I couldn't even, the more we talked though, the more we realized that like, while we carried very different crosses, the pain that we felt carrying those crosses and the lessons we learned through them, primarily growing in love of God, like paradoxically becoming more compassionate in our relationships as a result. Like, you know, when you experience that type of deep pain and deep suffering and you don't walk away more compassionate, something went very wrong. Um, but, you know, that was something that we had very much in common. And um, once we started realizing that and just really taking the time to kind of listen to each other, we had some very like vulnerable moments. And but I mean, it's helped us like grow so much. So now when I encounter women on my platform who are infertile, it's like I can I can speak to them in a better way because I've talked to Mary and I know that Mary can do the same thing with, with her clients and people on her platform, because, you know, we've kind of taken that time to really listen. And it was crazy to realize that we had learned similar lessons, spiritually speaking through dramatically different experiences. Right. Yeah. And we realized that together, like we could build so many bridges and approach so many issues related to fertility awareness in a truly holistic way. You both are absolutely fantastic at diving into hot topics, mo the most might shy away from in public and private Ooh. conversation. And <laughs> I love this because I have learned so dang much from both of you. Why do these hard conversations honor women's fertility experiences so much more than just keeping everything under wraps? And what's been your favorite tough topic to dive into? with followers and maybe throughout the creation of fan base? I, I think that we kind of have this idea as Catholics that suffering in silence is somehow superior, but it's frankly not if that suffering in silence negatively impacts the practice of your faith 
or the way that you love others. I'm not, I'm not a good suffer in silence person (laughs) that that's going to get taken out on somebody at some point. And that's just not healthy or right. And I think we live in a day and age that is thankfully more and more aware of the importance of mental health and taking a holistic approach to how we live. And what I've uncovered in purposefully, like very purposefully trying to blow the lid off of some really taboo topic. Most recently, I lit up my Instagram stories with talking about like stigma surrounding female sexual pleasure. That was a fun day. It's just how much the silence is ruled by fear and shame and how much pain is wrapped up in all of it. And what we're actually doing by not allowing it to be talked about is we're letting it fester like gangrene. I mean, it it broke my heart when I had women share like stigmas around sexual pleasure because so much of it is influenced both by like purity culture and eroticism and both negatively. And and what was just absolutely mind blowing to me was how much both ends of the spectrum directly negatively impact women. And I mean, men in the long run too, but you know, both basically tell women to like have sex like men. Well, no, cause you're not men <laughs> and God sort of designed you that way. So that was purposeful. But what I've learned through kind of getting people to open up about those types of things and, and even sharing my own experiences quite vulnerably, I don't ask other people to be vulnerable unless I'm going to be vulnerable too is that vulnerability heals. Because one of the things that you learn is that you are not alone. It's not just you. Satan's a great isolator. That's, you know, it's much easier to pick a sheep off the herd if they're separated from the herd. And solidarity is just, it's powerful. And giving your hurts some space to breathe in the right spaces is so healing. And that's what I try to do on my platform. And I mean, hey, look, if that doesn't sell you, like, just go look at a crucifix. I mean, like Christ's death was like a dramatically public affair. Okay, like, we're called to imitate him. We're not supposed to like, hide this stuff away. If our pain in sharing our pain, if it heals us and makes us better able to love God and love others, and then also helps others be able to heal from their own pain, and be able to love better as well. Like, why don't put your lamp under a bushel basket? Even even the pain can shine. Yeah, it's so true. I just remember when I was in the worst of infertility, and I was so angry at God. I felt like I was like, absolutely no one understood what I was going through. I had no hope. I was so angry that it took me so long to get diagnosed. Like, why did it take me so long to discover that fertility awareness could have all these benefits for me? And so I started to write down the way that I was feeling and just writing it down in and of itself was so healing and cathartic for me. And then, you know, you just have a desire to share that. And then I realized how many women are experiencing the same things as I was. So few women were talking about infertility specifically was, was my cross. I thought, I, I mean, I knew I wasn't the only one, but it certainly felt that way. And you don't know you're not alone until you start talking about it. And other people are like, yeah, I feel that way too. So it, it's very rewarding to be able to share that suffering. Again, like Emily said, with other people who are actually feeling the same way that that you are, you know, and like I said, um, I mentioned suffering a, a little bit before. That's my favorite thing to talk about because suffering's like really sucks. <laughs> we all know this, but it wasn't until I really eventually started to what I call is, is stepping into suffering, really looking into it. What can I learn from it? How can I grow from it that I found so much joy? Like so much, so many of us think that we have to be free of suffering to experience joy. And it's just not true. Like pain 
and uh, joy can coexist. Like they kind of need to sometimes. So we can still kind of feel the, the sadness that we experience, but also experience great joy. So that is my favorite thing because I, it's so countercultural to feel the suffering that we're experiencing, like the things that God has allowed to come into our lives. It's something that we often try to run away from, but it was really the running away from it that was more painful to me than anything. Talking about it has has been helpful to me in and of itself, but also so many women, again, saying, yes, this is so true. Like, I feel the same way. And it really helps us to express ourselves more. Again, fertility is so wrapped up into... Um, who we are as women, but we're daughters of God first. You know, this is our identity and this is where we find hope. And everybody experiences suffering. It doesn't have to be infertility. It doesn't have to be surprise babies. We all experience suffering in our own unique ways. So coming together, sharing that, learning from that, that's where we find hope, no matter what the source is. You know, I think for women who are listening, especially women who are listening who might be thinking about checking out fertility awareness-based methods, maybe they are currently on hormonal birth control. To hear women sharing vulnerably in a healthy, authentic way is so powerful. If you were to sit down with that woman over a cup of coffee, what would the one piece of advice that you would give her as she's just starting to explore what her fertility means? Yeah, I would say just do not be afraid to ask questions and and seek answers boldly and walk away when your doctor tells you that the only option that they can provide you is some form of hormonal birth control. There are other options and it, it might be difficult to tap into that, which is, of course, one of the things that we're trying to address with this organization. But one of the things that I've learned talking about fertility awareness is, is that once you break into that world, it, I mean... You just, you can go down all sorts of fun rabbit trails. I mean, like it's, it's a, it's a tough world to break into, but once you're in, you're in, I mean, you are in, you will, you will get connected incredibly fast with so many other women who are in, who were, who were in that same boat, who are in that same boat, like they're still in the process. And there's just this beautiful community online right now that's kind of blowing up Catholic, non-Catholic, secular that are just learning and sharing their fertility. And they just, they, they're realizing the kind of the, the beauty of their fertility and the importance of it and how to work with it, not against it. And the effect that that has on their quality of life and, and their relationships. So yeah, don't, not to go all JP2 on you, but uh, don't be afraid. <laughs> Yeah, like Emily said, I could have never imagined like the solidarity that I would have found on social media with this stuff. You know, um, what I would say, too, is not to expect fertility awareness to simply replace birth control as a natural form of birth control. You hear a lot of people referring to it as natural birth control, but it's so much more than that. And in a lot of ways, let's just be honest, it's harder. So Emily and I don't want to paint a picture that like, hey, you're just going to start fertility awareness and everything is going to be awesome. This is just not reality, you know? So, And if we expect people to like stick with this long term, they have to understand what they're getting themselves into. So it is going to be harder. It's a lifestyle change, but it's also going to be really rewarding. Like you'll also find a lot of freedom in that. And then also like, I would just encourage women to find, to discover the beauty in the way they're designed. That is, you know, when birth control really shuts the system down. Fertility awareness gives us this new appreciation for how we're built. Our bodies are communicating to us daily. And there's so much information to learn that, that again, that has so much benefit to it. And that's just empowering in and of itself. So, and I also want to add that 
although Emily and I are not like advocates for birth control, we we certainly don't want anyone to feel shame. Like we want this to be no pressure. Like we're not trying to force anybody to make any changes. We simply want to educate women on birth control and on all of their options. We are recording our episode together a little bit in advance and it'll come out in May, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about what's coming down the pipes for Fanbase. This is coming out in May, but we are recording early February and we just had our whole branding finalized today. That was very exciting. We're pumped to be working with Chloe Creative Studio. She is she just does really beautiful work. The process working with her is fun. Yeah, we're we're just now starting to kind of move on to the web design part of things, which <laughs> say a prayer for us. We're like, there's so much that we want to do. And we're like, okay, how do we organize this massive amount of information that we're hoping to communicate in a clean, easily navigable way? <laughs> and like something that's not just, you know, that's that's really going to, you know, just be beautiful and you know, all that good stuff. But Chloe's been great. She's meticulous. She's attentive to detail. Yeah, we've been loving the process. We're going to have a couple of components. So like the main thing will be a lot of basic information for just the average person, regardless of your background, state in life, religious affiliation. It's just going to be like good, solid information that that you want, like the go-to fertility awareness information. We are going to also have like another little Catholic corner, because as we know, like church teaching, the struggles of that aspect of it, those are very real too. We want to tackle all your hard questions. So we we do want it to be interactive in the sense that like, let us know what you're struggling with. We want to tackle it. Again, bring bring on those, those hard conversations that nobody else is, really wants to talk about. Eventually, we want to create some programs. We want to do some marriage prep programs, some parish programs, just again, get the information out there in ways people can understand, take and apply to their lives. Again, the way God has designed it is really, really beautiful. It's hard, but it's beautiful. And but most people don't understand that. So we want to make that easily digestible for the average person. Kind of the way we're thinking about breaking it down, we've got like kind of four, well, not four, but (laughs) four for now. Uh, is liable to change. Uh, But I I guess like kind of the backbone of the website will be our instructor list, which is not just going to be a list of names and locations. It's going to be, these instructors are going to be like sharing a little bit about themselves. If they have kind of areas of expertise that might be beneficial, like some of them might also be in nutrition or, you know, kind of have like these tangential things that might be, that might pique someone's interest. We will be including um, all different methods of fertility awareness, you know, Marquette, FEM, Boston Crosscheck, Creighton, Billings, all of the various symptothermal methods, like couple to couple leagues, Symptho uh, Pro, Sensiplan. I mean, they're kind of endless. And we will also have uh, what we're kind of calling the user Q&A side of things. So um, real women who use these methods, we've got like a set list of questions that they're going to go through and just kind of give us an idea of like what their personality is like, what their lifestyle is like, what method they use and why they like it. What does charting look like? You know, how does this fit into your lifestyle? That type of stuff. We'll also have um, blogs. We're kind of anticipating that a lot of the fertility awareness users and instructors are going to have some stories that they want to share. <laughs> so we'll have kind of some blogs and videos where we can do deeper dives 
on, you know, personal experiences on, you know, these kind of tangential issues. Like, let's talk about birth control. Let's talk about what method might work for you postpartum and why you might want to pick Creighton versus Marquette or, you know, something like that. Just really kind of a space where we can get into the nitty gritty. You know, that's going to be kind of ever expanding. We want to just keep that very wide open and flexible to take on just whatever topic. Like Mary said, there's really nothing that we want to shy away from. Like if it's awkward, if it's uncomfortable, like tell us about it. We want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, one of the ways we describe it too is very user driven. So we're trying to meet the needs of the people, so to speak. We want to have physicians. We're going to interview lots of different doctors. So both like the common experiences of the average person, but also professionals, different instructors. Everybody has so much to give. And what Emily was talking about, like, you know, given the unique parts of each instructor, that's something I'm really excited about because sometimes a user is looking for a certain quality in an instructor or don't know that they can find instructors. So for example, I'm infertile. Maybe I want an instructor who understands what that's like and can really connect with me because they've experienced the same thing. Maybe it's postpartum or maybe it's miscarriage or maybe it's postpartum depression or maybe they have a connection like Emily said with nutrition maybe they're a nurse so we want to highlight those very unique aspects to really make a good connection between user and instructor friends I'm so excited for this I'm so pumped I just there's so many good things that are going to be on this website and I am really excited to continue to dive in and learn about it we are just going to scratch the surface of, of how many good things there are where can listeners find out more about FAMBASE online and what is the best way to support your mission? Yeah, so if you follow us on Instagram, we are at F-A-B-M-B-A-S-E. We're also on Facebook. So we don't have that website yet. We're, we're trying to develop that currently, as you just heard. So if you, if you follow us there, you'll get all the up-to-date information on that process. Yeah, anything you want to add to that, Emily? Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's kind of funny because yeah, we've we've got this big website that we're in the process of building. So right now we are like exclusively social media based, but we are looking to change that. (laughs) Yeah, we're still producing content. We're also forming an email list too. So um, please join our email list so you can stay up to date on all information in that way too. You know, the one question that both of you have answered in previous podcasts, but I would love to talk about it in light of our conversation today is this one. How do you both live out the feminine genius in your ordinary daily lives as Catholic women, especially through the creation of fan base? Yeah, you know, I don't remember how I answered this the first time, but I do I do feel like I have a definite direction this time. I mean, Chloe, I just love how you've been diving into the feminine genius. I feel like it's another way to, to kind of explain spiritual motherhood, which is something that since I've been infertile, I've been diving so deep into because I'm not able to be a biological mother. And I've found so much, so much beauty and freedom in the gifts and talents God has given me. So I just really love to explore that and help other women to see whether they're fertile or infertile. Man, God has given us so many gifts to share with the world. So I just feel that is a great aspect of the feminine genius, that spiritual motherhood. We're, again, we don't have to have biological children to be a mother. To be a mother is to nurture to educate, to comfort, to, oh my gosh, I mean, the the list is limitless. So I just, finding that, that feminine genius in every individual woman, no matter what that looks like. 
Yeah, I would kind of building off of that. I was thinking about this right before we started recording. And I, I was just thinking about like my favorite saints, like my favorite women saints. And they are like, they're all just some spitfire women. And and if you kind of look at their qualities, it's like they're not always necessarily outright feminine qualities. Like I love St. Teresa of Avila and I love Catherine of Siena. Um, she was an advisor to the Pope. Like, I mean, if you don't know anything about St. Teresa of Avila, like she was Spanish, I think. <laughs> She lived up to her nationality. We'll just put it that way. And I love her for that, that, you know, she was able to be a saint and like talk back to Jesus. I'm like, that is a girl I identify with. Okay. But, you know, like St. Joan of Arc, like these, we have this beautiful canon of the saints. And, you know, I totally agree with Mary. Like I was thinking about this too. Like, Chloe, you do such an amazing job of really driving home the fact that the feminine genius is not wearing a skirt and having a slew of kids and, you know, going to mass with a veil on. It's like an expression of it, but it's like, there's just infinite expressions of it. And I've, I was thinking about it today that, you know, I've kind of struggled with what it means to be feminine. Like I spent, like I spent time in college around a bunch of dudes for like four years, I definitely did not feel very feminine. But I also discovered that kind of owning who I am as a woman is is the most powerful thing that I can do, even if it doesn't look like kind of like your stereotypical feminine, like what you're, you would think of like as a feminine stereotype, like owning the fact that I am a woman is actually, has actually been like the most powerful thing I could do. And when I was in school with a bunch of guys and working uh, before I quit to stay home around a bunch of men, it was like when I just owned the fact that I was a woman, it was like, that's, that's where I was able to affect the people around me for the better. It it looks different. Like I certainly, like I thought that I was going to be a little stay-at-home mom. You know, I did, I did the podcast with you about being a stay-at-home mom. Now I'm doing a podcast about starting a nonprofit. I mean, <laughs> but, but the beauty of that was is that me staying home and closing the door on my career opened the door to this. You know, this was so clearly something that God has kind of like directed me into. And I was able to step into this because you know, I close those other doors. And I know with every episode, it's like, it just drives us home. It's like the, the feminine genius is, it's really something that is so unique to every woman. There's no absolute cookie cutter model for it. There's similarities. Yes. But it's just, I mean, it's just indicative of the limitless imagination of God, right? That he never does the same thing twice. Love it. That like, I feel like there's this real movement here that that the feminine genius is so unique and it does not have to look one certain way. And that's so freeing. I know Brick House in this city, I just pulled it up. They just shared this post not too long ago. And like so many people shared it in their stories and stuff. Y'all probably know what I'm talking about. It said things you must do to be a holy Catholic woman. And yes. all these things all scratched out. Everybody loved it so much because yeah, there is no one thing. And that's so much, so many times that's what confines us is trying to fit into this little box, but that we're so beautiful and so unique. And that's what makes us beautiful is are those differences, you know? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Lauren from Brickhouse in the City, she took that and she opened yeah. up the question box on Instagram and was basically saying, 
What have you experienced as kind of this idea that if I don't have fill in the blank, that I'm not a holy Catholic woman who's striving for the feminine mm-hmm. genius. And to see so many women share what they kind of had expected that they needed to look like to be a Catholic woman. And so I'll put that in the show notes because that's a fantastic highlight that she did too. And you're right, because it's an invitation to freedom. But I think so often the stereotype that's wrapped around the feminine genius is, well, it's this one thing and there's only one way to do it. And that's the total opposite of what John Paul II and the Catholic Church has been teaching for millennium. And it's just an incredibly freeing invitation for women today. Amen. Wonderful. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I have absolutely loved the creation of Fanbase and seeing it from a distance. And so it's been an honor to get to sit down with both of you and chat about it a little bit more in depth and get to find out more about what's coming. And I'm so excited to keep diving into this topic with you as Fanbase continues to grow. Thank you so much. We're, we're excited. Thanks so much, Chloe. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Letters to Women. Head over to letterstowomenpodcast.com and check out this week's show notes. Or if you're listening in your podcast player, just scroll down to browse through links to find Fanbase online and follow their incredible account over on Instagram. I'm also going to include links to those episodes that I mentioned from the archives with Emily and Mary so that you can dive into their story even deeper. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single new episode. And if you're an Apple user, it would be so appreciated if you left Letters to Women a quick review and let me know how I'm doing and tell other Catholic women about why you like the show. Follow along the podcast and hear the latest book news over on my new Instagram account for the podcast at Letters to Women underscore podcast, especially to check out Ticket for Tuesdays. Thanks so much for joining me. And until next time, be not afraid.